Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you in proud partnership with our friends at Guinness. Tickets to our next live pod with Guinness in Dublin are sold out. Uh, we're also coming to the O2 Academy in Leicester on May the 8th, with all proceeds going to Matt Hampson Foundation. So check out that one online and come and join us. Goody, Jim, they're with me as usual. How's your weekend, boys? Mine was so easy. It was unbelievable. I just want to listen to Jim's though, because I, I have a feeling you had a very tough time over the last few days, James, looking at the state of you. <laughs> Why do I look rough? <laughs> no, well, it's my weekend started, all right. Um, Saturday, I spoke at a dinner, Stoke Rugby Club, good bunch of lads. Mongrel mob? It was absolute mongrel, <laughs> yeah. And they had Doddy Weir last year, and they had Zinzan Brook, who? The year before. Also, and, they're obviously stepping down in quality then. Me, the, me next year? Maybe you, mate, yeah. So <laughs> stepping down, and then they had a comedian who was loose as a goose. I've never heard anything like it, so I had to follow him. Sunday, had a good day. So we're filming this documentary on Leicester Academy uh, for Rugby Pass, and it was awesome. So I went to the final, Leicester versus Gloucester. What a game. Yeah. What a game at Allianz Park, Saracen. So get it, my three three clubs. It was like a trio of involvements for me. I didn't know who I should be supporting. Who did you support? I supported Leicester. Uh-huh. Anyway, don't worry about that. I've driven to Edinburgh on Monday. 14 hours. <laughs> what? It took, took me 14 hours. And it wasn't just me, there weren't much driving because we were static for the majority of it. It was me. There was a woman who has been known as my wife. I don't know whether she still is my wife at the minute. Her choice or yours? My choice because I was driving. <laughs> Four kids and a dog that we d- didn't know survived until we got there. We didn't even check on him because we were that fucked driving up there. 14 hours. It should take about five or six. We're in the minivan. There's no there's no roof box. The roof rack's still there. The roof box got knocked off the week before, yeah. so I refused to buy another one. 400 quid for a fucking roof box. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> M6. I'll have a motorway. One of them motorways that you drive on where there's always roadworks, but there's never any... People working on the roads to fix them, ever. True that. Night or day. The two people, the two blokes we saw, I'm not stereotyping, they were blokes. Two blokes that were working on the road. They're on the mobile phones the whole time. Anyway, big lights come up. M6 closed between junction 15 and 17. I was like, oh, here we go. Diversions on the Waze app. Misses is on it. Get on the Waze app. We need to get off just before. Of course we do. We need to miss the traffic. Waze is good, isn't it? Waze is good app. Mm. It's a good app. There are other apps, but it's a good app. Next thing, because there's roadworks on the M6, there's two lanes that are going down the kind of normal way and one lane that's going on the outside onto oncoming traffic, but it's still the right way up. I'm like, oh, here we go, Boz. There's absolutely no cars on there. So I'm flying like an eagle, 50 miles an hour, down this thing thinking, where, like, why is no one going down this one? So as we keep going, Waze is screaming at, at us, get off at this junction, there's a crash. It's going to take you 100 hours. Do you think I could get off the fucking motorway? Oh, it's you driving then? I'm driving. Your fault. Well, it's her fault. She had the map in her hand. <laughs> I'm flying like an eagle. Next thing, we're flying for about 10 minutes. There ain't a car in sight on our side of the motorway because everyone else has listened to Waze and turned off. Boom. Stuck in traffic. Four hours in the car. Tell the diarrhea that <laughs> from the twins and tell the spew that. And I sent Goody the picture so he can vouch how much sick was that. Oh, my God. Like, you never say anything. Imagine four kids. He doesn't know the names yet. Did you learn the names on the way to... I don't even want to know the names. <laughs> I'm not even interested. We were meant to get there at 7 o'clock. We have rocked in, divorced, at nearly midnight to Edinburgh. It's taken us 14 hours. You ain't heard screaming like it in your life. And the funny, funniest thing about it all was, 
is we got to a point about half 10, 11 o'clock at night. We're in the borders of Scotland. We're on the home stretch. I've had McDonald's. I've had KFC. I've had all the three. Oh, Burger King all the way up. That's a treat. Yeah, all three. So there was a positive in that. I mean, tell the guts that Mrs. Ain't happy, but she couldn't speak because I was raging. And, we, and you won't let her speak. We're borderline in divorce. Dad, I need a wee. JJ's like, I was like, mate, you have to hold it in or you're going to have to wee in, in the car because I ain't stopping. Wife's like, right, you need to let him out. Open up the door. The minivan door's open and it is a fucking monsoon. Comes through the car, wakes all the kids up, tell the screaming that for the next two hours. <laughs> and then he pulled over and walked. <laughs> Didn't watch an ounce of ruggers. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So yeah. why were you driving up to Scotland then, James? Have oh. you moved back over the border? Oh, mate, no comment. He's moved home. <laughs> He's finally I'm home. I'm home. <laughs> he might have moved back oh, up to wow. Edinburgh. So uh, an interesting few days for James. The only thing. Oh, mate, really... can we talk about your weekend first? What about you? Go on. At Mastheo Bathero, I agree with what you're saying. What is what has got into you this week? What's happened this weekend where you thought you're going to back down from the high horse, the I... high perch, the high house you're on? The high house you're on. Was it? <laughs> is that your analogy? You're on a high house up there, Goody. No, no. So, obviously, uh, talking about the game, so it was uh, obviously commentating on a French game at the weekend and Toulon lost away from home to Agen. Toulon should never lose that game. Doesn't help that he's picked like a, he's picked Julian Severa at 12. He's picked a prop on the wing. He's picked a second row in at Scrum Half and all these crazy French things that have gone on. And obviously, Morad Bougelal comes out and absolutely tears Julian Severa to pieces in the press. To pieces, says, I want a DNA test. I'll pay him over a million euros a year. This is not the player I've signed. He can leave. He's not welcome at Toulon. Imagine you've got another year in your contract and your boss is saying that. So fair play to Bastero. Bastero's come out and said, I'm behind you, brother, or whatever he said. We're in this, no, to- behind you, We're in this together. And lo and behold, I've already gone out and tweeted about Morad Bujalau, wind your neck in. He hates you, apparently. At, at Morad. Well, he's done yeah. a load of pieces. He's, apparently, um, he's done a load of bits and bobs in uh, interviews in Media Olympique, and he slagged me off. I had a French commentator, a French um, journalist ring me about five weeks ago or something, asking if I'd do And a, what did he say? Hello! <laughs> <laughs> um, asking me about some French rugby and the differences between France and England in the build-up to Le Crunch. Um, and he told me all about Morad going in the press and doing... He did a big piece of abusing me about the Matthew Bastor incident when I outed him for saying what he did about um, about Negri. And he, he's gone mad at me. So I'm, I'm giving it back to him. Morad, at, I think it's something like at Morad RCT, you're a helmet. Pipe the fuck down. <laughs> Wind your neck in. You don't want him. Pay him out. That's all I said. And Bastor agreed. Did, still, I still did, don't did, like did him. Did Bastor tweet you back? No. That'd be silly. You, I just think put, he, you just think he agreed. Well, no, we, we both are saying the same thing. That oh, I, okay. I said first, so technically, he's obviously copied you. looked at my Twitter handle and copied me. Well, interestingly, I've had a, a source tell me that Salvea is quite hard work. Him and his missus, the package together. And they had issues at Hurricanes, a similar kind of thing. I've only been told. I don't know him. I don't know his missus. I've only seen the situation unfold. And Bujalau came out today and gave a little bit more context around it, didn't he? If the things that he's saying are correct, then I think he has a point. I genuinely do. If you're paying someone a million euros a year, and I've watched Sofia play this year, he played on the wing against Edinburgh, against Darcy Graham, who's probably on what he gets paid a month, he probably gets paid less Darcy Graham does a year, and he embarrassed him. And if you're the owner, he obviously spoke about you're not here for a vacation, although most players do go there for a vacation. And there's clearly issues. Ashton leaves in the summer. You know, Dwayne Vermeulen weren't happy there. Other players have come out and said they're not very happy. And you look at the condition of that team, the coaches that they've gone through. As an, as an, as an owner, 
if you're paying that much money, you expect someone to be better, regardless of what position you play him in. And his missus out there tweeting and stuff. So I get—I don't know anything about him or his missus or about Bujalov yeah. myself. Well, Bujalov's a helmet. You can get his frustrations, but the way that he's come out and said what he said. Mate, there's the one common thing. denominator here. Bastero. It's Bujalov. So basically, when you're talking about Vermeulen wanting to leave or all the Ashley were not happy there and other players that reportedly, Reese Webb and all this stuff, he's hammered Reese Webb as well. But if you're the owner, though, and you're as vocal as you are now, if you own that club, right, would you not come out and say anything? Uh, not to the extent. I'd, I'd say I'm very disappointed in the team. Uh, you can't you can't come out and, uh, and hammer players like he has unless, if you're saying he's not welcome at Toulon, you go to him and go, there's your contract. You've got 18 months left on your contract. You're earning a million quid a year. There's one and a half million euros. I'd try and push him, I would. I'd try and say, mate, you, you, you're playing crap. You obviously don't want to be here. Your missus don't want to be here. But you've got a contract, is it? Law. Well, yeah, but he's obviously trying to make him walk. Okay, so yeah, exactly. So think about this one. So say Julian Surveyor's tearing the house down, scoring 10 tries a game. Yeah. If he goes in tomorrow, Bougelin, and say, you know, you pay me that million. I, I want two. Give me it now. Gun to his head. Why are you getting all violent? <laughs> that, Why are you well, getting violent? It's a what? metaphor. Gun to the head. Oh, sorry. Do you like that one, Jim, or not? No, it makes me feel tingly. But, uh... <laughs> um, so then off the back of that, you're looking at it going, it, Murad wouldn't do it the other way around. So if you want to get rid of someone, there's a contract. There's contracts are there in whatever walk of life to protect both sides. And it's not Surveyor's fault. Murad Bujalau offered him what he offered him. They both agreed it. They both signed it. He's not playing that well. Of course he's not. Every player goes through their ups and downs, except for Jim Hamilton, who was true. You know, just shite the whole way through his career. <laughs> Sorry, amazing. <laughs> Consistency, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's an element where their families aren't happy, Goody, either. I know, I agree. You've got all this. It's all a chain reaction. And you're right about something. And I, again, I've played da, 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 da. there. I, I've played there. And although Beck and the kids loved it, I didn't like him. I didn't like living there. But you look at Ashley, he's the same. Who would have thought, except us, because we gave an exclusive on here, that Chris Ashton would have left after the year that he had on the pitch last year? He broke the record for the most tries in the top 14 in a season. But Reese Webb, family's moved back, apparently. Toulon's a horrible place to live. Oh, here he is. I've said it. <laughs> I've said it. But it's the same with uh, Ruin Pinar as well. I know he's had some shocking news this week, but his family uh, have moved back to Belfast as well. They hate living in France. Mm. I did commentate on Racing against Toulouse at the weekend and my favourite referee was refereeing. Oh my God, it just, it's unbelievable. No, is it, no, no. Is his name Roman Poit or is it Pratt? How is it pronounced? Poit. Pratt. 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 He was making things up. Right, so a scrum goes down. Toulouse scrum, they get the ball. Francois Cross at number eight, picks up the ball, knocks it on. Roman Poit blows up. Reset scrum. Toulouse, but I'm like, no, 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 no. The ball's out of the scrum, mate. You are making this up as you, and I hammered him on commentary as well. But anyway, that was it. Well, we're coming to you a little bit later in the week this week, uh, so we're going to mainly look ahead uh, to the big weekend of Six Nations. Uh, we'll do that shortly, uh, especially with the Wales v England game. Uh, we'll have a special guest on the line as well. But first, let's touch on last weekend's action here. Uh, Quinn's up to third in the table now uh, after hammering Worcester to 47-33. Jim? You're getting nervous. That's that tattoo design looking, mate. Well, it was a lucky win. I should probably say that from, from the bits <laughs> that I saw of the game. And if we have Joe Marler back on, it's still committed. He can't come in and start demanding all this stuff and then just don't show up again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Basically, what happened was Marler came in. You said they were going down. They're getting relegated because they're absolutely papanui last year. And he said, we're going to get in the top four. You went, if we're gonna, if you get in the top four, I'll get a tattoo of Joe Marler. Did on I say that? Yeah. Well, it's fine. The wife's probably left me now after that trip anyway, so <laughs> I ain't bothered. Yeah, Worcester were 
garbage in the first half. Defence was optional around certain games in the Premiership this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, made some high-scoring games. Yeah. It was in the... Um, these are, What are these weeks called in between? Just in between weeks? Fallow weeks. Are they called fallow? I thought fallow was when they were off. The fallow Six Nations weekend. Fallow Six Nations weekend. So God, t- I learn something every week. In Gloucester, uh, bit Exeter as well uh, to kick off the weekend. Oh, they did. They weren't there a bit of controversy, Goody, on social media. I didn't. Wa- I actually did watch a bit of it, but I wasn't watching it that closely. How are you picking up all these things? Mate, just, I've got an eye for the game. Mrs. Upstairs, she's like, no, nah, I'm not watching the Ruggers. She's gone upstairs to watch something else. I went, yeah, and, and as you go upstairs. <laughs> anyway, um, Craig Maxwell Keys, shocker at the end. Why? What's the point of having a TMO if when Exeter are camped on Gloucester's line in their pick and goo game and they score a try, they're going to draw level? And clearly, Matt Kovacic is at the back of the ruck about to pick up a yard from the line. You see a player lying on the floor and Moster taps the ball. Taps the ball as Kvesic goes to pick it up. Ball doesn't go forward. He just blows his whistle, knock on, blows up for full time. Just relax. Blow your whistle for a knock on if you're going to blow your whistle. But then the reassess, TMO, reassess. The TMO can come in and go, that's a penalty uh, against Moster or can I check that? Or Just, you know, I just think the best refs in the world don't panic. Maxwell Keys panics. So how, how do you well, blew up for full, He blew up for full time. He just okay. blew his whistle for the knock-on, blew up for full time, walks off the fit, pitch. And Kvesic has come at him like you wouldn't believe because he knows Mostert's tapped the ball on the floor and, and it's not a knock-on and should be their penalty. Mostert should have gone in the bin. But you've got big decisions on games. But they have defining moments in the end of the season. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, Gloucester deserved the win. How good was Ben Morgan? Thorley as well. He's quality, mate. Yeah. We found out that it is actually, it's not a gap between his tooth. He did lose his tooth. We also found out he's related to Mario Toji. <laughs> Work that one out. What? what? He's come out and said he's a distant cousin of Mario Toji. Really? Mm. That explains it all then. <laughs> How much can you look into this win for Gloucester and looking at the title, their title chances? Are they serious contenders? Are they in the mix? or? Uh, in the mix. Uh, you know, For me, it's the final is going to be between Saracens and Exeter because they are... You know, although Gloucester beat Exeter, Exeter are missing a few. Exeter and, and Saracens are head and shoulders above any team. Gloucester should be in the top four with the amount of money that they've spent on their squad. And you look at the talent they've brought in, and you add Cipriani into that as well. The coaches that they've got, they are demanding top four, yeah. I imagine. Uh, but the battle for the top four is heating up nicely. You know, you've got Quinns in third, Gloucester in fourth, Wasps in fifth, Bath in sixth. Bath? Bath in sixth, yeah. Bath, but Bath. yeah. And um, it was seventh then. Northampton, and they are turning a corner. Yes, they are. I predicted them to be in the top four. I've said they're good all season, even though they were in 10th when I said that, but I thought they were playing some good ruggers. And people laugh at me, but they pulled sales pants down. They did. And what, and did, we, they, what did they say? What did they reveal? Absolute skid marks. <laughs> <laughs> people loved that description last week as well. Oh. So what, what did you make of Northampton's performance? They, they've built some momentum now, Northampton. You, you go back to their game... I commentated on them two weeks ago in the Premiership Cup, and it was a, a pretty serious team they put out. But they're promoting a lot of their youngsters as well. Hutchinson at 13, I've got a man crush on him. Really? I saw him in the warm-up. I was like, ah. What does he look like? Six foot eight, shredded no, tattoos or not? shredded. I, I just looked at him the way he was running. I was like, he's, he's going to be, he looks like a proper player. You know, the players coming through their academy there. Furbank as well, who's the fullback. He moved to fly half when Bigger went off. You know, Bigger goes off and you stick a, an academy prospect or a guy come through the academy, youngster who's a fullback, into 10, and it didn't affect their performance at all. 
there's some good things going on though. There are. Obviously Boydie at the helm and then you've got Pickmanos in it at Sam Vesti <laughs> yeah. doing well. So they brought in some good guys as well. Well, we've got the man of the match from that game on the line for a chat right now. Tom Wood, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Woody, are you out hunting in Coventry, are you? Uh, something like that, yeah, mate. Keeping busy. Sounds quite quite windy. Um, but, mate, we'll chat a little bit about the, the game because you were MOM. Do, do we say congratulations? Yeah, we probably should, even though the commentators give you that. But you did play very well. How was that for you, mate? Um, I know you've had a torrid pre-season, torrid summer with the injury that you had that we can touch more on. But getting man of the match, big deal for you or, ju- or just the result? Uh, mainly just the result and the performance, to be fair, of, of the whole team. It was, um, you know, it felt like it finally came together for us. It have been... Um, yeah, I've been working hard behind the scenes, obviously, and uh, trying to get our game together under Chris Boyd, and we've shown some glimpses. But, uh, you know, at the weekend, it was a pretty comprehensive performance. And let's talk about Boydie, because obviously uh, he's come in this year. Great success over in Super Rugby with the Hurricanes. The poor bugger had to coach me at the Sharks in 2010. He's a brilliant bloke, isn't he, in, in terms of how he thinks about the game and how you're playing now, this offloading game, fast-paced game. Is that all driven by him, or how much of it is Pick Your Nose, as well? Uh, a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously... Uh, Boydie's got the overriding kind of rugby philosophy, and then uh, but Sam Sam leads the attack, and um, it's very much a, a kind of skill-based uh, width of play. Keep the ball moving, stay on top of the opposition, uh, keep them guessing. Plenty of variety. Did the boys get stuck into uh, Vesti about the bogey monster or not? Do they call him the bogey monster there or not? After that <laughs> clip came out, uh, he, he didn't get a nickname on the back of it, but we did see it in the team meeting, uh, team review on the Monday morning, and uh, he got a bit of stick. Yeah. Uh, we spoke in the summer at the Premiership launch. Just tell us a little bit about the injury that you went through because it wasn't as quite straightforward as just pulling your hamstring, was it? What, just to tell uh, the listeners what you did. No, I think that was one of the most unusual things about it is um, physios were all left kind of scratching their head as to as to what exactly it was and the best course of action. I basically like split the seam on my pelvis so um, or did some damage and they're not sure whether it was a one-off you know, kind of rotation and tear, or whether it was more of a degenerative thing that, and then just a straw that broke the camel's back in the end. But in the sale game, uh, probably about this time last year, I uh, I pulled up with it, and then it took me took me best part of six months really to get to get right. And I'm only I'm only just back, feeling like I'm back to my best form now, really. And then obviously looking at the injury and, and how long it took to get back, and obviously bouncing around this year, getting back into some form. Northampton just announced that you signed a new two-year deal, haven't you, mate? Congratulations. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm chuffed with it, to be honest. I mean, I always wanted to stay at, at Northampton. That was always my first choice, you know. I'm, um, I'm really enjoying my rugby there at the minute and uh, I can really, really believe in the new direction we're under uh, with the new coaches and, uh, and whatnot. And uh, to be honest, I feel like I've stalled, a, well, me and the team have stalled a little bit in the last couple of years. And, you know, I'd really like to finish, finish my rugby career at, at Saints on a high and, uh, and go out at the top of my game. It's because they knew you were coming on the podcast, Woody. That's why they've given you a contract. Normally, that's what happens. So Yeah, they're... Under pressure, mate. That's what it was. Let's talk about Northampton as well. Obviously, Nairavaro or Nairavaro, should I say, uh, is an absolutely massive unit in terms of go forward. Is he as big a unit in the shower as well? <laughs> I don't know, mate. All the Islanders wear their shorts, don't they? <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> mate, there's, there's, there's the answer, mate. Yeah, hard, um, hard, hard to trust a man until you've seen it, to be fair. Very true, mate, very true. Well, hell of a bush, mate, I can tell you that. Um, <coughs> mate, let's just talk a little bit about England as well. They're obviously going going really well. How many caps did you, have you got, I was going to say, end up getting, potentially you can get more, but you, <laughs> yeah. you actually made the magic number, didn't you, of 50? Yeah, just, I, I guess there's, there's no, uh, I mean, if you get one, you, you're always, you, you always want more, you're always hungry for that next cap, and uh, 
in a strange way, sitting on 50 feels like I, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to finish on a round number. I don't know what it is. It's just, if I'd have been on 49, I'd have been fuming. Uh, now I've got 50. I still want more. So, you know, it's, uh, the guys that are in, in the, in the hot seat at the minute, likes of, um, of Tom Curry and, and Mark Wilson doing a great job. I think they're, they're playing really well. I'm big fans of those guys. But, you know, for as long as I'm playing, uh, Premiership rugby, I'll, I'll always be giving it my all and, and hoping I do enough to get, get some England recognition. And has Eddie Jones ever been in touch at all? Now you fit again? Has he, has he picked up the phone and said, mate, you know, you've had a great career previously get back to fitness and form and I'll look at you again or nothing at all uh, not not in the last few months but uh, over the summer he did so basically um you know last contact I had with Eddie was over the summer I was still quite badly injured and he basically just said looking forward to seeing you back get yourself get your body right get yourself back on top form and uh, and we'll be watching closely so you know I, I still hope that's true you know obviously uh, he's pretty busy at the minute and uh, and the lads are going well so there's probably no need to change anything for now but uh, you know if you're playing well um, regardless of age and anything else you know the injuries happen in the back row it's an attritional attritional place and hopefully like my bit my versatility and experience and whatnot will uh, be in my in my corner I guess and then talking about back rowers obviously you've had someone very noisy come to the club this year he's not played any rugby at all really has he the polar um, opposite to Woody in terms of his social media <laughs> Um, how's it been with Haskell? Are you getting earplugs in every day to, to dampen jolly, down his noise, or is he is he ever there? Because he's never he doesn't play rugby anymore, does he? He's either at JCB or he's down in Bath at his new gym. Uh, we don't see a lot of him. I think he's fit and available. He's back in the squad this weekend. Uh, hope I'm just giving something away, but uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see um, see the best of Hask tail end of the season. He, he's actually great to have around camp. Um, obviously, we give him some stick, but uh, you know, he's larger than life. And I feel like perhaps over the last few years, we lost a little bit of personality at Northampton. We used to have the likes of Ashton, James Downey, Tongawea, you know, Foden, all those guys, Lee Dixon. Uh, very vocal, vocal people, and uh, we perhaps lacked a little bit of that in the last year or so. And, and the likes of Hass bring that right back. So um, you know, it's important to have kind of those characters in the squad. Jimmy Downey is nicknamed Jimmy Piss, isn't he? What a legend he is! Yeah, he's a great bloke. You know, just those kind of old school characters that you need in a rugby squad to to keep everyone's morale high and to just tell it like it is. Sometimes um, Hask certainly one of those. And another new guy, Dan Bigger. Uh, have you always been get, have you been getting stuck into him this week? What do you reckon? Is he is he going to be fit? I don't actually know. Um, he just messaged me to wish me well on my contract, actually. So uh, Dave, so um, he hasn't got back to me yet as to how bad his injury is. Uh, hopefully he's fit. You know, you want, you want to play against the best players. There's no point beating a, a team without without their stars. It doesn't feel as, as satisfactory, I don't suppose. So, um, And just from a Saints point of view, obviously, we want to see Dan fit and playing well. He's a quality lad, Dan. I mean, I, I think I said in a few interviews over pre-season, for someone with such a big name, such a like, marquee signing, to come in and train the way he did and really earn the respect of the lads and the various fitness challenges we were doing. You know, I don't think he missed a training session all pre-season. He was awesome. So, you know, you need those kind of leaders in your team. Yeah, you do. Not not many tens can do that like me and Dan Bigger, to be fair. Um, <laughs> uh, what Talk about the game then this weekend. Obviously, Wales-England, you've played in a few of these wars uh, in your England career. Um, and hopefully you might have some more in the future. But an amazing atmosphere down at the Principality Stadium. Uh, is the roof going to be closed? Do, you, do we know about that? I'm not sure yet. But um, how do you see the game going? I hope it is closed. You know, there's always that kind of hatred or just a bit of rivalry between England and Wales. And down there on, you know, I, I made looking at my debut on opening night, um, on the Friday night, of the uh, opening night of Six Nations. And it was just the best atmosphere I think I've ever played in. Partly because I was obviously a bit more excited with it being my debut and everything. And we won, of course. So that made it a bit extra special. But um, it's a wicked place to play rugby. Um, it's a great atmosphere. And um, I think just on England's form, England are so strong at the minute. Um, I think they are favourites. But uh, any game in the Six Nations is... Is is open? Uh, you only have to be off the off the pace one two percent, and you and you'll you'll be beaten regardless of form and anything else. So uh, it'll be a great game. And finally, Tom. I mean, you mentioned 
just there some of the uh, the big locations and the big teams that you've played for and against. Uh, Barker Butts uh, in, in the Cov. I mean, is that... In is, the Cov. In the Cov. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> tell us more about that. My dad and uncle played there. So, you know, during my youth, I was up there watching them or playing on Sunday and probably played from about... Well, I didn't. I was up there from about under six on, onwards, but touch rugby, I wasn't really interested until it was tackling. Um yeah, I owe a huge amount to that club. I mean, there's, there's some obviously club legends come from there. Yeah, I guess um, Bill Gittins. Do you hear about Bill Gittins? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, recently, heard about that recently. Yeah, sad news. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great club and uh, I owe a huge amount to them. I just had two two local guys coaching my team all the way through from uh, under sixes all the way up to under 18s um, just dads of the players basically that just enthusiasts just loved it no uh, no level 1 level 2 level 3 coaching courses just uh, just turned up and supervised for us uh, to play and talk, and, uh, taught, us how, taught us how to fight that was about it yeah as long as you could hold your own and you could you could see off a few pints in the boat race you were right alright Tom well best of luck for the rest of the season with Northampton and uh, also with uh, trying to get off that round number in the England jersey as well mate yeah we'll see thanks mate Appreciate cheers that. Woody cheers Woody cheers guys that's good lad. Good lad. Cough's from, getting the co- from the cough. Mate, it's from the cough. Mate, Barker, listen to him. You know, tell us about the Barker butts from the cough. <laughs> what, what a kiwi. Don't, don't even know what from I'm talking From the about. cough. Mate, Woody used to live three or four doors up from me. Scrappy Dappy do with him or not? No, mate, he just knew. He knew there was like there was levels, weren't there? He, he would bang you the fuck out. Mate, he's me. got he, he's from he's, a, hard. He, he's from hard stock, mate. Yeah. He's from hard stock. I wouldn't say he would have banged me out. It would have been to the death. He was was he a Woodlands boy? Woodlands, mate. Yeah, and yeah. you were Cowden. I was Cowden, yeah. And then uh and you know, I was King Henry VIII. Yeah, his brother was very good as well. His brother Rob was, well, you know what it's like, probably better player. That's what he said. He was at Worcester, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. He was with me at Worcester, knees. yeah, in the academy, yeah. So we had bad knees. He came but the academy. No, Woody's a good lad. He's uh, quite quiet in terms of his social media presence, mm. but he's into the outdoors and New Zealand. He was over there. I think he met his, his, his missus over there, mm. but... Uh, does like, he wouldn't talk to him about his business, actually, so he does a load of woodwork and stuff, doesn't he, makes... Well, well, why, like, it's... It's like saying you do good work. Why are you saying oh, that? Well, I do. Literally, Tom Wood does things with wood that... What kind of wood? Like what kind of wood? Not work? the wood that you're thinking about, you weirdo. Wood as in... Well, he does it with Waller, I think. Yeah. Him and Waller. He's a good lad, Woody. And obviously, you know, he's always been at Northampton, hasn't he? There ain't many players that can say they've had the longevity that he's had at one club. Um, the, the issue that I've heard with Woody is he trains too hard. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's what I had as well. People uh, said, Goody... Just stop, mate. Just have a day off. Don't train as hard because we need you all season. But yeah, I mean, that's the game now, isn't it? And he, you know, he goes to put himself through maximum pain for maximum gain. Whereas I just thought the less you train, the more you gain. The more you gain. The more, more, the more weight you gain for the weekends. But his injury, interestingly, we were chatting about it in the Premiership launch at the beginning of the season about this, this ligament in between your pubis bone. So in between, if you're a man out there, in between your testicles and your arsehole, I mean, the ima- imagine the stench. So in between there, there is access to the ligament that basically is the ligament that holds your pelvis together. Access? There's access there. Well, I'll tell you how I know this. I had an injection up there. I had a... There's, not, there's, not, oh, access, no. there's not access that you can penetrate in. No, they penetrated it through with a needle, so yes. Okay. Yeah. And I remember having an injection with no anaesthetic and a belt in my mouth in a hospital in Leicester. The guy was like, we've got no anaesthetic. A belt in your mouth? A belt, well, I put you in a snooker ball in your mouth, a belt around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it might, but it might have felt better. But I had an injection all the way up there. You're being choked out. I'm being choked out. Jim, you have a choice between a snooker ball and a belt. I'll take the belt. Right, the snooker ball is going straight up the ass then. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I basically, I had, yeah, I had an injection in my ligament via that access. Apparently, that's the way to go. Haven't heard off the doctor since. Well, we touched on it with Tom, so we might as well get into the big game of the Six Nations this weekend. How do you guys see Wales-England panning out? Running seamlessly into the game off our conversation there. Um, Belter. Belter of a game. I, Marco, be, Mara and... Uh, Marco? Who's Marco? Ma- who's Marco? You always say this Marco fella. <laughs> who's and then Marco? I have to look at my notes and I'm like, yeah, who's Marco? It is Marco. Marco. He's out. And Ashton's out as well. And Mara. But st- I think England are a class above this Six Nations. Mm. I can't see him losing. But as we know, and as people have said on the past, Powerly Butt and other guys you speak to from Wales, this is the game for them. There is no bigger game. In Cardiff, but against England, it don't get and you obviously listen to Woody there spoke about making his debut on a Friday night. I've played in Cardiff a few times and it is an amazing it's called the Principality now, it was a millennium back in the glory days mm. for Wales. Um but it's one of the best places to play in in the world. There is no better place. And if there is a banana skin for England, it's coming this weekend. It's a tough, very tough place to go and play. Um, and you think about it, you know, the history of the last few years. We went there two years ago. Elliot Daly scores a try in the corner because Jonathan Davis missed touch. Jonathan Davis finds touch. Wales win. And forms with England massively. No doubt about it in terms of the two games that they've played so far. I'm going to talk about form. I know I'm saying that. Wales are on their best ever run. But they've not played that well. But yeah, so they're, they're two games. They chopped and changed a load against Italy, against France. They were bang average and snuck a, a victory through France being absolutely pony. And Biggers potentially struggling as well. Yeah, but having played in a fair few England-Wales battles, and I, you know, like Jim, I remember playing 10 years ago, actually, 2009, Six Nations. It was Valentine's Day, Saturday, sort of five o'clock kickoff, similar sort of time as this week. And, you know, women were chucking roses at me like, Andy... So beautiful. Oh God! Show us. I can't even imagine what they would. I can't even imagine what they would have looked um, like. But I just remember it was Valentine's Day. Um, hell of a night out afterwards. We lost. Uh, I got simbined. The atmosphere. So I miss a tackle on Stephen Jones after two minutes. Line out play straight off the top. Jonesy attacks the line. I'm like, he never makes a break. He's passing it. So just look, showed on the inside, and he took it. <laughs> <laughs> Goes straight through. A couple of phases later, Martin Williams dives over for a try. I kid you not. The noise. I shit myself. Not literally. Oh, but okay. The noise. I'm like, jeez. Uh, luckily, in the process of Martin Williams picking it up, he knocked it on, so the try was disallowed. But the atmosphere there is phenomenal. The Welsh absolutely detest the English. Yeah, you, know, you hear stories of them. You know, when we were there on the bus, they throw shit at the bus. You know, you've heard stories about people headbutting the bus, whatever. They are so passionate, and it's an it's an amazing atmosphere because it's right in the city centre. You know, the stands are close to the pitch. They go up really vertically compared to Twickenham, where it's it's more of a, yeah, a receding. What, 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 what's the opposite to vertical? Or horizontal. <laughs> but it's yeah. in the middle then, what's in between them two? Anyway. The atmosphere's monumental. The battle for me is negating the Welsh's line speed and defence and the battle of the breakdowns. It's gonna be huge. Speaking of England, uh Goody caught up with England's most capped international of all time, Jason Leonard, and you can listen to that on patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Here's a little sound bite now. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. 
going back to your first cap in Argentina, uh, it's actually the eighth anniversary of the Falklands War, wasn't it? Yeah. And I've read somewhere that someone from the crowd threw a tap at you on the pitch or threw a tap onto the pitch. Um, <laughs> uh, some good memories? <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a volatile time because obviously we were the first England team in any sport to go into Argentina after the Falklands War. And, and yeah, um, it was quite an intimidating, intimidating place. But it was also a beautiful place, I've got to say that now. One of my favourite places to tour uh, and the rugby was hard. And, and again, from a front row forward, you're going to Argentina, which is that they are one of the best or some of the best players in the world was playing there at the time. People like Diego Cash, I, I played against as a, as a younger player who's absolutely fantastic. A very young Federico Mendes and stuff like that. So a real challenge as well. But yeah, going in there, as in the first team after the Falklands War, yeah, no, you, you actually stood there singing the national anthem and then um, it was actually on an old gramophone so you could hear the actual crackling <laughs> of the needle on a gramophone and obviously someone who's Argentinian had enough of that and oh, you heard the scratch so obviously someone's pulled the needle off of the, 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 the record so you heard a big like that. Um, at either end of the stadium, the north and south stands, because it was a soccer stadium as well yeah. obviously, there were people burning the Union Jacks in the actual stadium um, you actually looked there's wire like chicken wire around the pitch to stop the fans from getting on the pitch yeah. uh, quite grateful of that to be quite honest at that <laughs> moment in time first international and then as the game wore on so you, you go down uh, through town to the stadium you can genuinely just take oranges off the trees and put them in your pocket so you are standing there for um, a line out and all of a sudden an orange would come whizzing past your nose so then I, so someone would be throwing oranges at you then at one point in the game we found an empty whiskey bottle that was thrown onto the pitch which I mean uh, did you finish that it. no someone had beat me to it I've got to say that now someone had thrown a pair of scissors onto the field as well because they was embedded in the in the turf but then yeah no someone threw a bath tap which, which was a huge thing it was, it was about that big but it was about a foot and a half big and uh, are you thinking who brings a bath tap to a game of bloody rugby sort of thing like that but um, no uh, it was a fantastic experience something I wouldn't change in, in the world and uh, as I said it was lovely the people were fantastic the, the country was great and it was a hard hard rugby and I suppose to a certain degree that when you go to somewhere like Argentina when as I said emotions are running that high and to play with those types of players as I said before people like your, your Dooleys and your Moors and your sort of winter bombs and stuff like that so we won the first test we lost the second test narrowly but for me coming away from from that because they uh they rested the the judge he was called back in the day paul rendell uh, who was a fantastic prop great prop for me and and that was my opportunity to get in and of course once once you're in there that's you you you, you work very hard to make sure that you can't get pushed out so i was lucky enough to carry on playing for what another 14 years after that pod 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 rugby pod if you like that and want to hear more, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Uh, we've had an English perspective on the big game this weekend already, so let's get a Welsh one. It's former Wales and British and Irish Lions international James Hook on the phone. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing, boys? All right, Hooky boy. How's it? Very good, mate. Very good. Hooky, yeah. it's Big Jim, mate. We know Hi, each other. Jimbo. We, uh, I know you, Jim Walsh. Thanks, bud. Yeah, very good, mate. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll get we'll get straight into a bit of ruggers, mate. Big performance from Wales needed. Do you think they can bring it at the weekend? Oh, I, I definitely think they can bring it. You know, obviously the last two performances haven't shown a lot, but um, I think everyone's talking about how well England are playing and how poor Wales are. You've got to look at Wales' squad. You know, they got some quality players in there, and you know, the boys who can step up on the day and um, produce a good performance. So I. I it's going to be a tough ask, but you know we, we can't do it because we've done it in the past. We're 11 games in a row now without without the loss. So 
you know, there's no reason why not. And, and just looking at the team selection, you know, you talk about the quality throughout the squad, obviously. Uh, there is that in Wales. There's a few boys missing through injury like Falatau, but the crux yeah. of it for me is going to come down to a position that you know so well, fly half. If both players are fully fit, Bigger and Anscombe, who, yeah. would, you, who would you pick? It's a tough one. I think, I think we've got to be ambitious. I think, you know, as much as I love Dan Bigger, I think... I like the fact that having Dan Bigger on the bench coming on for the last 20 minutes, just tight, you know, kicking his goals. But like I say, we've got to be ambitious and, and we've got to score tries against England. So Anscombe at 10, you know, as you know, good, he'll take a ball to the line a lot better. And I think he's got a defender as two long years. You know, we've got a, it's an opportunity there, you know, to play two or three numbers on him, bring George North in, John Davis in, and, and make him go for a big hit and Anscombe pick, pick the right option. So, yeah, I, I go with Anscombe and, and like I say, bring Bigger on if it's still tight at the end to kick the goals. And you mentioned about Anscombe taking the ball to the line. Where else do you think the game uh, could be won and for Wales. Well, you know, I mentioned John and Davis. We haven't mentioned him a hell of a lot in the last couple of games. You know, I'd like to see him brought into the game. And you know, it's an interesting battle between him and Henry Slade. And, and our back three, you know, they scored a few tries, but I'd like to see you know Liam Williams, George North, Ross Adams coming into the game a lot more. And England are going to kick kick the ball, so you know, hopefully our boys will will do the job coming on to it. And you just named that back three of Williams, uh, George North, and, and Josh Adams. There's obviously rumours half pennies fit. You'd not have him in the team, would you? Or would you have him on the bench? Or oh, no, I, I think you know he, he hasn't played for three months, so as good a player as he is to come back after three months, especially with a head injury like that. And, and like I say, our back three playing so well as they are, I'd leave as is for now, and uh, hopefully they can, they can do the job. And then for you personally, Hooky, I, I know you've played in a few of these games before. Any any memories that stick out? Um, yeah, quite a few. I think. Uh, you know, a bit of success early on in my career. I think 2007 was, was one that stuck out. If you had lost to England last game in the Six Nations, we'd have had the wooden spoon. So yeah, we beat you that year. We, Scotland beat you that year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we lost every game apart from, apart from the last one. So, yeah, that was one that stuck out. But uh, no, I didn't, don't remember the Scotland game, actually, Jim. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think it was a 9-3 thriller, mate. Mate, no one remembers Scotland because <laughs> they're garbage. Oh, don't be like that, mate. Arrogant <laughs> English. This is why Hockey thinks Wales going to beat you. <laughs> and obviously, the 2008 one as well was was pretty much reminded me of the Wales France game. We were getting absolutely thumped at half time. Probably didn't, didn't look any way back and then we came back and, and won the game and then went on to win the Grand Slam. So like I say boys, anything can happen. Um Hockey, I was going to ask you while we've got you because you you've played in France, obviously uh we, we met when we were over there for for a barbecue around Naz's house yeah. and yeah. there's all this talk going on at the minute, slightly off subject with with Surveyor and, and Reese Webb. What's your yeah. your thoughts on this whole French thing and why guys can't quite settle in? I don't know. You know I think Obviously, Reese Webb, you know, hasn't. I think it's too long not playing well at the moment. So, you know, it's obviously difficult to settle there. And it's, he's come out and said his family haven't settled, and and you know, you probably both know how, how difficult it is with families to settle. Um, so his family's come back to Wales now. But I think you know the situation with Reese Webb, you know, I think he really wants to play for Wales, but because he hasn't got more than sixty caps, he can't at the moment. But there's still talk that he may, may be able to come back in time for the World Cup. Whether he'll, he'll get out of his contract or not, that'll remain to be seen. But you know, it is it is tough and. You know, speaking from my own personal experience, it was difficult to settle. But you know, my wife, you know, met a lot of friends. There's a lot of non-French players, which you know she got on with out there. And and my kids settled in school. I had one boy at the time. I got three now, but he settled really well there. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it until we got relegated. <laughs> uh, do you think with Reese Webb, do you think he thought that they might have made an exception for him, like before he went, or do you think he knew fully? And he and because there's all this talk, isn't there, about just players going for the money? The Finn Russell saga, six-day turnaround, played concussion. Now he's out of the game. Did Reese Webb, do you think, know about the full situation, or did he think they might have given him an opportunity? Well, that's the thing, and I think the Welsh Tribune is saying he didn't. He did know about it, and he's saying that he didn't know the full situation. So I think that's why there's all this debate about it. But 
knowing Reece Webb, you know, he, he loved playing for Wales and, you know, he's probably up there one of, one of Wales' best scrummers at the time. So, yeah, you know, he's going to be hugely missed if he doesn't go to the World Cup. But no, I still think the door's a little bit open for him. How will he work? I don't know. But uh, I know he'd love to play in the World Cup because, you know, he hasn't done that yet. And let's talk about you, Hooky, then. Um, obviously, playing at Ospreys at the minute, tough result at the weekend. But um, you're getting into a bit of the media side as well. You've got your own YouTube show now called hooked on rugby do you get it yeah. I don't get it I don't get it explain <laughs> okay, explain. I don't get it uh, well, I see what you've done there mate you interviewed Tommy Bow recently are you looking to get into the media post rugby what's next for James Hook in terms of playing are you got a contract for next year do you want us to put anything out on the rumour mill Rassin? yeah yeah funny enough one of the boys told me the other day Jimmy mentioned about me going to Rassin Metro I mean I don't know where I came from mate you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> they signed Dan uh, Carter no, no biggie Exactly, yeah. No, yeah, no, I enjoy that side of things. And uh, a family friend who, who was like a musician, does a bit of work with BBC, so I wanted to do this YouTube show. And yeah, I'm enjoying that so far and, you know, doing a bit of radio commentary and stuff for the international. So yeah, but I've got next year as well on my contract with the Ospreys. So still still playing, but sort of phasing out slowly. So if we want to get you on YouTube, what do we? Get, how do we find you? Just type in James Hook or is there more of a specific? So it's, uh, hooked on, hooked on rugby. UK. Yeah. I, I get so, it. Now, we did uh, Tommy Bow and George North the other day and we got a couple of other boys, Shane Williams, Greg Laidlaw, and boys I got lined up. So, yeah, something a bit different, boys. Well, let me know if you want to boost up the levels into the millions, mate. I can maybe pop down. <laughs> I will, I will, Jimbo. You're next on my list, mate. Cheers, buddy. Well, best of luck with Hooked on Thanks Rugby, on, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season and, and next season with the Ospreys. Thanks very much. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers Come on, Wales. No, England, England, England. I was on the Bar Bars tour with Hooky in 2013 where we absolutely demolished the Lions at drinking. <laughs> so, at drinking, that was it. Yeah, so lovely bloke. And when I was in Perpignan, as I mentioned, they went to see my mate Naz, the recycler, and Hooky was there with his lovely family. Very nice guy. He hasn't got a tribal tattoo, though, so he's not... In my eyes, I don't see him as fully Welsh. Only I judge a Welsh man or a Welsh player on spray tan, tick, for Hooky. Yeah, definitely tick. Tribal tattoo, no. But if he hasn't got a tribal tattoo, does he have a Maori tattoo? And he doesn't. So in my eyes, he's kind of, he's a posh Welshman. Did you guys see that uh, John Terry's been in giving England a pep talk? Hilarious. What do you think he's been telling them? Well, there was a meme that came out of him <laughs> and Richard Hill, and the, and, the, and the buzz line was, Richard, what's your wife up to today? <laughs> or something like that. Oh, or tomorrow, me. or the day after. That's I don't horrible, know what, Jim, I didn't get horrible. it. I didn't get it. You're horrible, Jim. Well, I didn't get it, mate. You did. I, I, you did. You're I laughing. Didn't, about no, it. I didn't. I'm laughing because it's like, what a ridiculous. Why would you ask someone what their wife's up to? Was John Terry in his full kit? Because he, he is a full, known as a full kit wanker. He's not a wanker. Let's just get that straight. I don't know him, so I don't even know why I'm saying it. But I'll never forget. It's a bit like Jim Hamilton, to be honest. Very similar to Jim Hamilton. Why, mate? Literally, we couldn't be polar opposites of human so beings. So you go to, uh, was it Champ- Champions League that Chelsea won? He didn't play in. Photos come out. He's got his full kit on. That's a Darren is. Cave. That's a Darren Cave, man. That's, That's a Jim, Jim Hamilton. Hamilton. It is a Jim Hamilton. No, I've played. But you were centre of every picture, trying to lift a trophy as if you skips, as if you've got man the match the lot. You play for 30 seconds, Jim. That is called product placement, and I've said about it before. <laughs> Should we move on to... The uh, big one. France, Scotland. Yeah, the big one. Scotland are buggered. Yeah. Loads of stuff happening. Finn Russell tweeted about it this week. Six-day turnaround. Should never have played. What? Well, why shouldn't he have played? Because I don't think World Rugby should allow it, Goody. I don't, it's got nothing to do with money because player it's got, welfare. It's got everything to do with... But, but it has got everything to do with rugby, it's money. It's got yes, everything it to do with money and player welfare has also got to be a two-way street. Finn Russell knew exactly what was going to happen. He signed a massive contract and we've all been there. World Rugby laws state that the fallow weeks, you get sent back to your clubs if you're not playing. IRB Regulation 9. Finn's had a decision to make about his contract. 
I've got no doubt he's paid at least twice more than he was on at Glasgow. Plus, he's got the Lambo thrown in as well. So he's earning pretty well. With that, he knew full well that during the Six Nations, he would have to go back to Racing 92. Yes, correct. Now, if you're his employer, of course you're going to want him to play. Of course, and this isn't a dig at Racing. No, I know know it's not. I'm not, and people are coming at me on social media. It isn't a dig at Racing, and it's not me protecting Finn. I'm saying now, as a fan, and someone who cares about player welfare, that a player shouldn't be able to... I don't think players should have a six-day turnaround anyway. Is my personal opinion. Well, you're going to have to... Six days, the minimum. It should be the well, minimum. Okay. But I know that because of the TV rights and yeah. stuff. I just think that you're asking a lot of... And someone, someone came at me. Well, I've got to fly to work. I've got to fly to work. I fly two or three times a week. I'm not talking about who's working harder for what kind of money. I'm saying about player welfare. And this is the, the, the tip of everyone's tongue at the powers that be. And I don't think by asking a player to play an international, to then fly to Paris, to train all week... Then to play in the game, okay, he's been injured, we know that. To fly back to Edinburgh, to then fly back to Paris and be expected to be in the most optimum condition, which is what World Rugby want and what the powers that be want, and to be able to perform at that level and for the product to be at its very best out there. I completely agree with you, but I also think that if that is your worry individually as a player, you stay and play in the country that you're getting picked for because that's what they're trying to do. English players in the Premiership, you're only going to play for England if you're playing for a Premiership club. That strengthens the product, that allows Eddie Jones to have access to I all get the players all and all that. But World Rugby can't do anything about it. But they have Unless, these regulations, don't they, where... International uh, windows. Yeah, they have the international windows, but everything's about player protecting the player and looking after them. That, that, I don't think there should be a six-day turnaround if a guy's expected to play international rugby, play club rugby, and then play international rugby six days later. And you have to travel in between that twice, three yeah, times. I understand Four that, but, times. But that's his fault for choosing to go and take more money at Racing. Yeah, it, well, yeah, but I'm not I'm not putting blame at Racing. I'm not putting a comfort blanket round Finn. I'm just saying, as someone who watches the game and, and, and has an opinion on the way that it should be round, yeah. that, that that shouldn't be the no, case. I, pr- I appreciate your opinion, but where all I'm saying is where we stand now, the facts are he's taking more money to go and play in Paris, and that's part of it. Greg Laidlaw did it before, you did it, You know, I did it when I was at Breve. I went to Breve, left Leicester, for way more money than I was on at Leicester. How much you go for? I can't tell you that, James. But, I, you know, I didn't ever expect to play for England again. Until John O'Meal, mate, gets the job. He's like, Yudi, let's have you back. We need to slow the pace of the game down, get the belly out, kick some goals. Only because 14 of the fly-offs are injured as well. But, you know, I had to go back and it is what it is. You know, the only way to fix it is World Rugby changing the structure of the season. So, you know, there being no club games during the Six Nations. You know, we had Philippe Saint-André on, on, the, on the show last week. And he's saying, top 14 is ridiculous. There shouldn't be 14 teams in there. There should only be 12. You think about the top 14. To win the top 14, a club is playing 29 games of rugby potentially. Trevor's are. You know, to win the premiership, you're playing 24 games of rugby. So, anyway, we're buggered. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Finn's out, Hugh Jones is out, Josh Strauss has forgot his passport and a partridge in a pear tree. It's all, fi- it's all fine now that with his passport though, isn't it? Oh, they're letting him go? Yeah. They have trouvé a solution. They would never have found a solution for me. There's absolutely That's no... you're ch- English. So. No, they would have been like, there is no way that Jim Hamilton is going to play. We can't allow it. Oh, With the French. Strauss-y. Are you saying they think Strauss is a, uh, average? So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was awesome Let, last let him play, the man who visits the beard. From uh, the bush to the bush. <laughs> um, but in terms of the game itself, who knows? Me and Goody were chatting about it before because we love our ruggers. We were ch- chatting about ruggers. it off there. Absolutely no idea. I mean, if you're French and you're watching the last few weeks unfold from, it feels like a year ago, Valamahina's Aldi plastic bag. He's lobbed it over. Elva Elva Pass. Pass. 
interception, they lose that game, and then their performance against England, you've got to feel for Scotland if you're looking at it like that because if they get beat by Scotland in Paris, I mean, it is an absolute travesty for France. But can it get any worse anyway? Do you know what I mean? You know, one thing we have learned is uh, if you're a French player, Morgan Parra, whoever, uh, don't slag off the coach in the Six Nations. They're not. They've been dropped. Because you get dropped. (laughs) Jacques Brunella's coach has picked Untermack at 10. He's good, though. He hasn't hardly played ten all has year. He not? Well, there you go. Toulouse, so he's, French. He's played twelve. So he's French. now moved. Fick, he's now moved Fiku from the wing to twelve. Still got Bastero on the team. Bastero? No, no, no. You play Fiku at thirteen. You put Untermac at twelve. Then you leave Cami Lopez at ten. Mate, who knows? What do you reckon? I, I think France win this by fifty, mate. To be honest, um, you, you're looking at me like I've murdered someone, Jim. Yeah, yeah. There's been a murder. <laughs> There's been a murder. Um, no, I, everything's conspiring against Scotland right now, isn't it? Well, for me, Finn's the big one. Yeah, like, Hoggy's out as well. Yeah, but I didn't even mention. You didn't Hoggy. even mention Hoggy, mate. Well, it goes without saying. Hugh Jones is a big but one. What's their horny, horn, horny horns fit again? Who's playing at ten? Hastings. Hastings. Duncan Weir's back in the in the squad. No, Brillo pad head. Brillo pad, mate. Does he play? Greg Laidlaw played 10 for a little bit for Claremont at the weekend. Yeah, I can't say it. For me, I'd go Dunkey Weir. I think he's been really good for Worcester. I really do. But he's not been in the squad. so I think they go Hastings at 10. Yeah. Because it fits in with the way that they want to play. Yeah. But do you want to play like that against France in Paris with the players that you've got? This is the question. Could... Italy, Ireland, just to make things a little bit harder for Italy, Parise's out as well. I uh, don't know if that's a bad thing. I love Parise, love Parise. I think they need to see how they can function without him because he's going to be gone at the end of the Six Nations. Well, and they're not, they're not going to win not, this game. Is he not going to the World Cup? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to the World Cup. I he, he, I he'll he probably pretty, want to. Yeah, I thought he played pretty well against Wales. Pretty well, but not exceptionally how we know Parise. So if he's not going to be there, and Conor O'Shea came on the podcast before, and there's a bigger plan, isn't there, than this Six Nations than the World Cup. If you're Italy, the World Cup's the World Cup. You're not thinking, right, we're going to go there and obviously not going to win it. I don't know what their goals are, so I don't want to speak for Conor O'Shea. And I the love team. that statement from Jim there. If you're Italy, the World Cup's the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, genius right there. <laughs> Thank you. But if you're Conor O'Shea, you need to see how that team can function without him because they hardly ever do because he's always playing yeah. and I love him and he loves me and we're just good mates and you've got a story from Hong Kong that you can't tell on the podcast about you, him and when he ho- retires I'll hotel room t- when Parise retires I'll tell we'll get him on the podcast and we'll tell a few stories because he's got a few stories to tell as well oh yeah uh, Italy haven't won um, Stadio Olimpico for six years why are you being horrible? is it time that they maybe <laughs> took the game somewhere else because they're not really selling it out either not many people tuning out well, why are you being horrible? Yeah. sound like Super Rugby no one watches Super Rugby either do they so it's tough. I mean, Stadio Olimpico, what does it hold? 60? Lovely stadium. It is a tough sell for Italians because... I, I was there the other week for the Italian Explorer, which is out next week. It wasn't... You weren't there the other week, were you? Well, it was a few months ago, but it felt like the other week. <laughs> yeah. In terms of growing the game, though, wouldn't it make sense to take it around the regions a little bit more? Yeah, yes. Uh, but then, you know, the tradition of playing in Rome and, and uh, would, would England take a Six Nations game to Old Trafford or something like that? It, no. And that's what they're trying to build there. And... I completely agree with you in terms of not being, playing in a half-empty stadium. You know, I remember when I played over in, in Rome for England, we played in a we didn't play in the Stadio Olimpico, we played in another stadium that was Rampak. Um, Flamingo. But they're trying to grow it. So the only way to grow is by, you know, trying to get bums on seats in bigger stadiums. And like you said, we spoke to Conor O'Shea. It's a long-term project that he is making huge strides with. But ultimately, people like Andy Rowe there are just abusing them, saying they haven't won a game in six years at Stadio Olimpico and trying to pick holes in it. So they are making huge strides, 
But it's it's not a quick fix. You compete in with you know, they're playing Ireland this week. Are they going to beat Ireland at home? No, they're not. And I don't mean that in a, any derogatory way at all to the Italians. I desperately hope that Scotland beat France, and then the last game of the Six Nations is the wooden spoon decider: Italy against France in and, the Stadio and, it, and Italy beat them, and, and Italy hose them. I'd love them to hose them. <laughs> so tough one. I, do I see Italy winning? No. Ireland now will be desperately hoping that Wales beat England. They'll be going to Italy looking for a five-pointer, knowing full well that they'll want it to come down to the last game of the Six Nations when Ireland go to Wales. Don't forget you can catch all this year's Six Nations action on rugbypass.com if you're in Asia. And wherever you are in the world, you can watch the video version of this pod on there as well. Have you guys got any rumours at the moment? I've got a rumour of wasps. Again. Well, they've signed Tong and John, haven't they? So that's been confirmed. We, We named it here. Of course we did. And... We're talking of Italy just before then. Is it Minotti? Yep. He signed for Wasps, isn't yep. it? Mate, great signing. Yep. But I've heard something's going down at Wasps that I'm not allowed to say, but they've got a big signing um, that might come to light soon. But Some I'm huge sw- news? Hu- it's huge news, mm. but I'm sworn to secrecy, and if I don't say who or what it is, I'll get a free kebab next time. I'm in cough kebabish. It's that big a news, so I'm not going to say it. Any other rumours floating around? Manu to Racing, that's been out yeah, of that's, for, that's out Apparently he was there, he was I, there. I think he'll go. I mean, why yeah. wouldn't they? Everyone's loving it in France, isn't they? <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, wrap things up with the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you this week by The Telegraph. Make sure you're ahead of the game, the Six Nations, with a sports subscription from The Telegraph. There's great insight in there on the Premiership and Pro 14, as well as the international game. And rugby pod listeners get a free month and then get it for the three months at half price. So that's just 50p a week. So make sure you're in the know with the rugby pod and The Telegraph. And just head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash the rugby pod to get your 30-day free free trial and three months half price. Plenty of good this week. Uh, we're going to start off in the Guinness Pro 14. Glasgow, uh, they're away win at Cardiff, 38-34, five tries each. Uh, a game for the neutrals there, outstanding attacking intent. Benetton beat the Scarlets. They're up to second conference in the Pro 14. Uh, and I believe their upturning fortunes has all come about since a certain Jim Hamilton went over to see them. You're welcome. You know, the the rugby pod, rugby pass, rugby explorer. It works, doesn't it? Next thing we know, James Thanks, Huck, thanks, mate. James Hook will be signed for half a million quid somewhere. Um, that was pretty good. Uh, Ulster. Well, it wasn't a great game, but KV played. That's K- good. KV K- got a game. That's good. He got a game. Is that the 13. good? Uh, well, it's not the full good. They won 8-0. Away from home at the Ospreys. Shocking game. But KV played, so that's good. I'm really pleased for him. That's good. Uh, let's go over to France, shall we? Toulouse won away at Racing. That's weird, because you think Toulouse would go there to lose. Sorry, go on. Uh, they're now only one defeat from 16 games. They haven't lost a, an away game in the top 14 since September. Can you believe that in France? Yeah, that's good. You know what the mentality is over there. Yeah, so French. So French. Mm. Um Pretty good. Perpignan. We've absolutely hammered them on here. Oh, at don't times. tell me Perpignan Poo have come good. They beat. They won their first oh, game. I saw Montpellier. They beat Montpellier. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> High five! High five! No, no, no. Uh, so Perpignan uh, beat Montpellier at Montpellier Mate, as well. Rumours are circulating the birds going to get the same. 28 10. So that was outstanding. Perpignan Poo beat Montpellier. Fair play. Uh, what else was good? Let's go, let's go to somewhere we never really go and Spain. Did you see uh, oh, it did. The, the scrum half for? Facundo Manila. What a name. A great name, Manila. Sounds like Kung Fu, man. Facundo Manila, his clearing kick from his own try line, 
to a metre out from mate, our positions line. tell the wind that though. The lines were holding his flag on. It looks no, like it's about to no, blow away. It wasn't wind assisted <laughs> at all. It was against Georgia, but hell of a nudge that was. And it's got people just comparing it to my kicks back in the day as well. So that was uh, pretty good. Um, let's go to the Premiership, shall we? What else was good? The Mighty Wasps. Get a five-pointer down at Bristol. The Mighty Wasps? Yeah. The Wasps. The Mighty Wasps, five-pointer away at Bristol, who have only lost one league game at home since September. Ashton Gates, a fortress. It is, and Wasps just went there, pulled the pants down. Will Rowlands ran one in from 40 metres out. Have you ever scored one from 40 out? No, but he's a, I like him. He's a good player. Hell of a bush as well. Really? Yeah. Really intelligent that? bloke. One of the most intelligent it's blokes. Usually the, they're usually the ones. With the bushes. Yeah, yeah generally, exactly. yeah. So that was pretty good. But the good this week, they have featured... Quite a few times in the bad over the course of the last couple of seasons. Quinns? No. Right. The good this week goes to Northampton Saints. They absolutely destroyed Sale. 67-17. Scored nine tries. They've signed Owen Franks. I tip them for the top four. I've got a man crush now on Hutchinson. The good this week goes to Chris Boyd, Sam Bergeman Vesti, and the Northampton Saints. The bad. Well, we mentioned it before. Montpellier. Jim's just smiling. I agree. Like I agree with you. Lost 28-10 at home to Perpignan. Burns in big trouble, is he? He's a bit, mate, big trouble. You don't, lose, you don't lose to Perpin Poo when they ain't won a game all season. Uh, what else was bad? Toulon. <laughs> Lost away from home to Agen, who were right down near the bottom. That was pretty bad. All four Welsh regions lost in the, Pro, in the Guinness Pro 14 for the first time since the end of the 2012-2013 season. Good stat, that. It's a great stat. Well, it's not a good stat. It's, it's, a, it's gr- a bad it's stat. A, it's a great stat. It's a bad stat if you're Welsh, especially leading into the biggest game that they've got for a long time. Uh, that was pretty bad. But the bad this week, it's the opposite of the good. It has to go to sale. People talking about them as top four uh, opportunities. Uh, I said relegation. Uh, they got hosed 67-17. Dimes said they didn't get off the bus. Uh, they were a shambles, apparently. So the bad this week goes to sale. The ugly. Well, there's two bits of ugly this week. It's not going to be hard to know where the ugly's going, but I just thought I'd give a shout-out to Billy Searle. It's an ugly injury that he got down at Ashton Gate, dislocated his ankle. Uh, his foot was facing the wrong direction. Horrible. That's pretty ugly. So we wish Billy Searle the best in his rehabilitation. But the ugly this week goes to my old mate, Morad Boujalal. What an absolute helmet. Going off on one about Julian Severe saying he wants to get a DNA test. I'm not, he's not welcome back in Toulon. He lives there, mate. He's got a house there now. Do you think if they did his DNA, it would be a squirrel or not? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking, just asking the question, Goody. And then he's gone after Reese Webb as well, saying he can go back to Wales. Imagine that's your boss. Respecting rugby is one of its core values. Morad Boujolau has had loads of success in buying rock stars, winning trophies, and now sport is cyclical. you got to have respect when you win and respect when you lose. Morad Boujolau, you are an absolute helmet uh, for saying what you said. So the ugly this week goes to him. Just him. This is good. He's good, bad and ugly, Mohad. So I know you're an avid listener, and if you ever want to have a coffee interview, I'm there for you, mate. Thanks, Goody, Jim, producer Tim, and thank you for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our new monthly superfan subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. pod.